Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Jamie Rosenberg, Assistant Editor for the American Journal of Managed Care, and during this week's podcast, we'll be discussing loneliness, its health implications, and efforts being done to address what some are saying could become an epidemic. Recent years have brought increased attention to social determinants of health, loneliness being one of them. According to a recent survey, approximately one in three older adults feel lonely, and this doesn't just affect them socially. There has been growing research focusing on the effects of loneliness, and the overwhelming majority points to significant impacts on a person's health. So how do we address this? Taking on the task, Caremore Health in 2017 launched their togetherness program to focus on patients' psychological, social, and physical health. Now, almost two years into the initiative, we sat down with Dr. Sachin Jain, president of Caremore, to find out more about the health effects of loneliness and how their togetherness program is impacting seniors. Hi, Dr. Jean. Thanks so much for joining me today. So before we get into Caremore and their togetherness program, I figured we could start with some background on loneliness to really understand the scope of it. So how prevalent is it among seniors? Yeah, no, thanks so much for the question. Loneliness is, is as old as humans are, right? Um, there's been a, you know, as long as there are humans in the world, there have been lonely humans. I think there are some factors right now that are really driving up the prevalence of loneliness. And you know, in surveys we've done, we've seen you know 60 to 70 percent of seniors feeling lonely at some point in their you know in their lives or at some point you know during the past 30 days is how we usually ask the question. And you know, loneliness is not something that is limited to, exclusive to, or even you know focused on you know people who are by themselves. Oftentimes, people who are with others can feel lonely. And, you know, it's really this feeling of being socially isolated or disconnected from others that we think is, you know, at, at stake. And are there any common characteristics you find among lonely seniors, or is this something you find affects all demographics? Yeah, I think we've seen it affect all types of demographics. And I think, you know, we were warned about a loneliness epidemic, you know, uh, almost 20 years ago when Robert Putnam wrote his book, um, his now famous book, uh, Bowling Alone, um, you know, the image of the solitary bowler um, really drawn from this, you know, very interesting fact that, you know, more people are bowling than ever before, but fewer and fewer people are actually um, participating in bowling leagues as kind of a, you know, a harbinger of the fact that people are, are coming together less and less because of a variety of factors that are Part of modern life. You know, 50 years ago, we had multi-generational families. Today, it's very rare to see, you know, several generations living under one roof among, you know, most communities. We see increasing mobility of people because of their careers and their jobs, which is, you know, in many ways a great thing, but has some pretty important, I think, effects on how families come together and how people come together. And then I would say the third thing is, you know, you see this across all ethnic communities and really it's not just a U.S. problem, it's a global problem. So I do think that this is a, a kind of a, a, a phenomenon that doesn't really spare anyone in particular. So I, I think it's, it's widely prevalent and doesn't necessarily, I think, focus itself on low or high income communities or particular ethnicities or, or demographics. Right. And we've seen increased attention to social determinants of health, loneliness being one of them. What do you think is the driver behind this increased attention and increased awareness? Yeah, I would say it's just, it's become increasingly more difficult to ignore. You know, like all 
kind of social determinants of health. I think, you know, there's a buildup to a point where, you know, it's no longer just a problem felt by some, but really, you know, kind of a, a dominant phenomenon that people feel the need to respond to. And, you know, everyone has a grandmother, everyone has a mother uh, or a father uh, or a grandfather, and every one of us knows a lonely senior. Um, I will frequently, you know, in meetings, large meetings, um, audiences of, you know, hundreds of people, I'll ask, how many of you know a lonely senior? And there's not a hand in the audience that doesn't go up. Right. Ultimately, everyone knows that this is a problem. And I think that's where we are right now. It's an epidemic in plain sight. It's all around us. And, you know, until we started calling it something, until we started really focusing on it, I think we kind of accepted it as something that we just take for granted in, as a function of living in America in 2019. And I think where we are right now is people are saying enough is enough. This is not good for us. This is not good for our society. And, you know, selfishly, I think all of us know that, you know, we all have a final common pathway. We all become senior citizens at some point. And all of us are going to, I think, have to live with the world that we created. And I think we all believe that there's a better world that can be created where people come together more and aren't uh, as socially isolated as they are today. And the first thing that usually comes to mind when thinking about the impact of loneliness is its impact on mental health, but it can also increase the risk of several other diseases or health issues. Can you give some more detail on these different health impacts? So I think the you know, number one impact that loneliness and social isolation has on all uh, people who suffer from it is self-care. Self-care is probably the first thing to go away. When you don't feel accountable to anyone else, when you don't feel connected to anyone else, you don't have a reason to get up in the morning, put on your Sunday vest, uh, take your medicines as directed, go to your medical appointments. And you know what we find is that when people feel connected to others, they will do those things. And those things, you know, when you have a burden of chronic disease like diabetes or CHF or COPD, become really, really important to you having optimal outcomes. And so, you know, when we talk to lonely seniors and we ask them, are you taking your medications as directed? Are you doing all the things, are you exercising? Are you doing all the things you need to do to stay well? What we find over and over again is that they're not. And, you know, what we found in our work to get seniors more engaged in their communities and more connected to others is that as soon as you start connecting them to others, you start to see that they are taking better care of themselves because they have, you know, in simple terms, a reason to live. We're humans are social creatures. And when we don't have that ability to be social and connect with one another, things, things to tend, tend to go off the rails. And so it's not any particular condition that I think is really at heart or at play here when we think about loneliness and loneliness interventions. I think it's all conditions are affected by the extent to which we do take care of ourselves. And, you know, over and over again, we just see that lonely people don't necessarily take care of themselves for all the reasons that I talked about. Right. And what barriers have you identified in trying to reach these older adults? We know social media has a big presence among younger patients, so that can likely be leveraged among these patients. But reaching seniors must be a bigger challenge. Yeah, I mean, we, one of the criticisms we've received about our togetherness program, which is the, you know, what, we, what we call our efforts to address loneliness, is that we're medicalizing a social condition. And you know, I think the criticism is fair, um, but I think there's an opportunity to use interactions with the medical system to actually screen patients for loneliness 
and then to actually connect them to resources. I think you're absolutely right that this is a big challenge in terms of identifying and screening patients, but I think there's also this really phenomenal opportunity for us to use medical encounters to identify lonely patients and then connect them to the kind of care that they need. And have you seen any generational differences in willingness to seek help? For example, are older generations less likely to admit that they're lonely and seek help for it? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think one of the things that we've been very careful to do is to brand this properly for seniors and to not call it the loneliness program or loneliness initiative. You know, Britain actually created a, a you know a cabinet level position called the Minister of Loneliness. Um, while we applaud the effort, we think the branding is terrible. <laughs> um, we've <laughs> focused it on actually calling it, you know, togetherness because you don't have to self-identify as being lonely, but everyone wants that sense of connection and togetherness. And so, you know, I think a big part of building this field and solving this problem is using the right language and appealing to the part of all of us that is about, you know, connecting with one another. I think one of the challenges that I think the field will have as it grows is getting the right language and getting using the right terms that eliminate the sense of stigma that I think many seniors feel when it comes to, you know, this phenomenon of loneliness. So as you mentioned, Caremore Health launched their togetherness program in May 2017. And you guys have kind of been on the forefront of really tackling this and trying to address loneliness. So when you guys started the program, how did you initially identify which patients would be included in the program? Was it kind of hard to identify these patients? So, you know, we actually have an annual visit that all of our patients go through called the Healthy Start Visit. And it, it turns out as we started to work on this program is that we'd actually been asking this question for years, um, you know, uh, about whether people felt lonely or connected. We just didn't do anything with it. And so we were already sitting on a treasure trove of data of about 2,000 patients who had actually already self-identified as, you know, having feelings of social isolation, loneliness. And so we've been able to then, I think, really connect people who already had self-identified with resources that we already had in place within our system. We have these nifty after 50 senior gyms that are, you know, essentially like social clubs for seniors. And sometimes all it takes is a little push to get people uh, using these programs. And, and, you know, we've done that and we've seen really great results. We've seen higher rates of social participation among our loneliest seniors. We've seen actually decreases in our overall hospital admissions in the, in the population that's been targeted with this intervention. And so it's just been, you know, a phenomenal journey in terms of and, and we've only increased our screening efforts by also marketing the program directly to our patients. So we send monthly newsletters to our patients. We've told them about the program. And we've had a number of patients actually self-refer, which has been another channel. And so, you know, again, I, this goes back to this notion that I talked about you know, earlier in the podcast, which is people want to connect. You just have to create a forum in which it's easy and simple and you know something that they can just just do on their own and so i think we're we are you know helping to facilitate social interactions that people want to have so what are some of the different interventions the program utilizes is it mostly connecting people to social activities like nifty after 50 or is it also sometimes just giving them someone to talk to over the phone yeah so we have these phone pals um and they make we you know they'll make weekly phone calls to some of our loneliest patients and you know they are folks who are trained in motivational interviewing and will have discussions with patients about 
their lives and what they can do to make their lives better. And, you know, a big part of the focus of those conversations is connection. And we have, you know, lists of community centers and resources that we're able to connect people to. So that's kind of the, the, the foundation of the program. I would say the second piece is the Nifty After 50 gyms that I you know, re- referenced earlier. Those have always been a part of Caremore's model. And so it's about driving adoption and use of those centers. And they're available to patients at no cost whatsoever. And so I think it's great to be able to get the patients you know, into those centers, interacting with other seniors and doing that. And then the third is really you know, home visits. You know, for people who are particularly isolated, we have partnered with some social work schools and are able to send social work interns into the home. And, you know, what we find with these programs, which all, you know, are, are honestly quite simple, is that they make a big difference. Um, we have had members say, you know, pick up the phone and answer, hello, Armando. And Armando is one of our, you know, earliest togetherness connectors. And, you know, Armando asks, well, how did you know it was me? And the answer that we get back is, well, no, well, no one else calls. And that's, the, you know, that's what we're talking about here. That's the problem we're here to solve is the fact that there are literally hundreds and thousands, if not millions of seniors who don't have a regular touch point. And, you know, what I want to tell everyone on the podcast is that this is a problem that each and every single one of you has the ability to solve today. All you need to do is pick up the phone and call that senior that you already know is lonely, someone in your life who doesn't have enough points of contact and show care and concern for them. That's all this is about. And so, you know, this is about building good programs, I think. And I think, you know, healthcare organizations undertaking this initiative is very, very important. But it's also about really building a social movement and a new social consciousness around what it means to be, you know, an American in 2019, what it means to be a part of this society in 2019. What does our social contact look like? And I think that that social contact will look like, you know, leaving no one behind. And that means you know, addressing the loneliest amongst us, the most vulnerable amongst us. And, you know, I think it's, it's something that will enrich us as a society and frankly will all make us feel better about, you know, being alive in this time. So I know you mentioned this a little bit before, but if you could give some more detail on how this program is also impacting healthcare utilization and hospitalizations. Yeah, no, I, I think what we're seeing, you know, it's, it's hard to study this because, you know, the control groups are, are challenging, but we use what's called an intention to treat analysis where we looked at patients that, you know, we've addressed with our interventions and then patients who, when we have enough capacity, actually intervene upon. And what we found is that, you know, against the control group, we have a lower rates of hospitalizations, lower overall healthcare costs, more participation in, you know, the programming, the Nifty After 50 programming. And so again, I think, you know, there's, there's been a lot of good progress, but I caution it with, you know, it being early. Um, and, you know, there's definitely much more work to be done to, to validate these interventions. Have you seen that certain kinds of interventions work better than others? And because every person is different, does this require a tailored approach for different patients? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, so that's a very important point that, you know, this is a epidemic, but it's also a highly personal epidemic and the solutions are going to really be focused on the person. And so, you know, again, what the core of our program is, is a motivational approach to getting people more engaged in their lives. Now, what we're encouraging them to get engaged in is going to be different based on who they are and what they like and what their sense of self is. And so, you know, if someone uh, used to be a golfer and they haven't golfed in a while because they don't have a golf partner, then the conversations are around, you know, how can we, how can you find a partner that you can golf with? Or 
you know, if you're a musician and you really like playing instruments, but you somehow have lost touch with that and, you know, ultimately, you know, need an audience or want an audience, how do you get an audience so that you can, again, feel like you're part of the fabric of society and, and you know, feel like you're connecting with others and contributing to others. So one of our kind of key underlying themes that we're going to go be working on going forward is oftentimes the best cure to loneliness is actually volunteering. And we are very uh, interested in partnering with organizations. We're in ongoing dialogue with the American Red Cross LA chapter about, you know, potentially creating some joint volunteering opportunities for seniors to really get them connect, connected and committed to the community in ways where they can actually give back. And oftentimes the best cure to loneliness is actually, you know, giving back and helping others in partnership with others. And I'm sure part of this is trial and error. So trying different interventions and seeing what works and what doesn't. Has there been anything you found that hasn't worked or hasn't worked as well as you were hoping it would? Um, you know, what I'll say is I think one thing that we started with that I think was very promising that I still think has a lot of promise is we kind of tried to do it all a call for volunteers across you know the, all of Caremore uh, as well as all of Anthem and to get volunteers of people who would volunteer to call. And we've had tremendous results from that. We've actually expanded our ability to serve patients and serve members dramatically by expanding the pool of people who can, can participate in these calls. But one of the kind of key issues in this field is that participating and connecting is a commitment. And sometimes, you know, it, in many ways, it's like, you know, from past generations, having a pen pal, someone you connect with on a regular basis. And the one thing you can't do is start a conversation and then end it abruptly because um, then you're doing more harm to folks than good. And what we found over and over is that, you know, sometimes people will start participating in, in connecting with seniors with the best of intentions, but then, you know, get busy with other things and then fall off. And then they end up developing a sense of guilt. And then the seniors end up developing a sense of abandonment. That's not good for anybody. And so the right. one thing I would encourage anyone who's who's interested in, you know, working in this space and making a difference in this space is that when you make a commitment, you're making a real commitment. So, you know, I think that's that's been kind of a, a real important learning that, you know, I want to pass on to others who are interested in, you know, making a difference in this space. So the Togetherness program is almost at its two-year mark. What are some next steps for the program? What do you think is in store in the next year or so? Well, I think it's getting better at what we're doing, touching more, you know, growing the program, seeing more patients. Um, you know, we started with Caremore members. We're now serving a much broader group. Um, you know, Anthem Inc. is our parent corporation, and there are literally, you know, more than a million members who are Caremore seniors, who are Anthem seniors, uh, who are not on Caremore-oriented programs. And so I think there's opportunities for us to scale this to them. I think, you know, we're interested in partnering with other health plans to make available these loneliness interventions. So, you know, this is about, you know, again, connecting people. This is about scaling the, scaling what we know works. But more importantly, it's about inspiring the industry. You know, you referenced the start of our program in 2017. It seems like everybody's talking about loneliness these days, but let me tell you, they weren't when we started two years ago. And so we feel very proud of the fact that there is now, I think, a whole industry of folks who are interested in this area, focused in this area, and, you know, really making a difference. And that feels really, really good. But I think we're just at the start of a journey here. And so, you know, some people ask me when I see other major national health plans taking on the issue of loneliness or talking about loneliness, you know, do I feel bad that there's sort of, you know, imitation happening? And I, I actually always say no. Imitation is the best form of 
flattery. And so, you know, if other companies are now talking about this and working in this, that's good. It means that we're making a difference and, and we're raising the bar for everyone. And so I think what we need to do over the next couple of years is continue to lead the industry, continue to lead the pack, continue to show people the art of what's possible. And then, you know, let, let the imitators copy what we do. That will be good for everybody. And before I let you go, is there anything else you wanted to discuss or mention? No, I would just, you know, again, call your grandmother. Call that lonely senior in your life who you feel guilty for not having called. I know it's a, a huge barrier to action is uh, that sense of guilt that you didn't call. And what I'll tell you is you'll quickly get over that when you reestablish your connection and you'll feel good. So you individually can, can make a dent in what I think is one of the greatest epidemics of our time. And uh, my only request to each and every one of you is that you take that on as a responsibility. It will, it will make a bigger difference than you will ever know. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. For more on loneliness and care more togetherness program, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. You can get in touch with us by emailing info at AJMC.com or by following us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in.